0: Like I brought it to the studio and a bunch of people were like, oh my God, what is that? You know, can I have one? And then we're just like, I guess. And then what really kind of changed it into a business is we posted a picture on Instagram and then like it kind of just like blew up Where it's like, all right, I guess like we have to do this now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hello, yogis, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Dharma Talk. I'm your host, Henry Winslow, and this is episode number 66. This week, it's my pleasure to share with you an interview with my friend, Dove Vargas, also known as Yogi Varuna. Apart from being the son of Sri Dharma Mitra, Dove is also an accomplished and enthusiastic and celebrated yogi in his own right. He's also the founder of a major product that has taken the world by storm, the Dharma Yoga Wheel. And we're going to talk about all of that stuff. But first, I wanted to share with you an email that I received about the podcast. One listener wrote in, First, I want to tell you that I am very grateful to you for your podcasts. They have been an absolute wealth of information and support. I have had a solid home practice for three years doing my asana every day. I have only ever had about five lessons with a teacher. And so I have had so many questions that I am now finding are being answered by your podcast. Since listening, I have incorporated more meditation and mantra, and I feel like I am part of a community of like-minded people. One, I didn't know how much I was missing by always practicing alone. It would not be an exaggeration to say that all your hard work in producing such an amazing podcast has changed the face of my personal practice for the better. I love the format and especially listening to how others practice. That's my favorite question. So thank you very much. I appreciate all you do. Wow, Uh, receiving a message like that really just touches my heart. And that's what it's all about. You know, if this podcast can create a community where a physical community can't exist for you for whatever reason, if this creates that sense of connectedness, that sangha, then it's doing all I ever dreamed for it and more. So thank you so much for writing that in. Um, That is a powerful message and I really appreciate you too. Now back to this week's scheduled programming. Here's a little bit of what you can expect from my conversation with Dove. He talks about growing up surrounded by yoga as a child, and then later making the conscious decision to practice, teach, and live yoga as an adult. He talks about grappling with seeing his father as both a family member and a teacher. And when we discuss his personal practice, He shares a little bit about psychic development techniques and why they are mostly kept secret. And lastly, we get into the story of the Dharma Yoga Wheel, the origin of that business, and creating it out of duty rather than intention, and some difficult lessons he learned along the way from shrewd competitive business. All that's coming up very soon. Please just stay tuned through these announcements, and we'll dive into my interview with Dove Vargas. Hi, yogis. I've got lots of events coming up in the near and distant future, and you can find the details and registration for all of them at henrywinds.com events. But for this week, I just want to highlight one that's coming up very soon that's near and dear to my heart. This coming Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m., at Three Jewels in East Village of Manhattan. I'm hosting a donation-based vinyasa class to benefit Woodstock Sanctuary. Woodstock Sanctuary is an animal rescue shelter in upstate New York that saves animals from certain death in slaughterhouses and industrial farming situations, gives them a home for life. What they're doing is really important work and I'm happy to support them. I hope that you can too. So if you're in the New York area, come on by Three Jewels on July 10th, that's a Wednesday at 6 p.m., and you can make a donation, whatever you feel comfortable and capable of donating to support this worthy cause. Now, for all the other events, please go to henrywinscom slash events and sign up. What's your purpose? What's your vision? What mark will you leave on this planet long after you're gone? I'm Henry Winslow, and you're listening to Dharma Talk, the only podcast where I interview inspirational yogis on how they're changing the world in their own unique ways. Whether you're still searching for your purpose or already walking the path, I hope these stories get you excited to live your Dharma. Hello, Dharma Talk community, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I've got my buddy Dove on the line. Dove Vargas, also known as Yogi Varuna, was born into a family of yogis. As the son of Sri Dharma Mitra, he has been teaching and practicing yoga for over nine years. In 2014, Dove created the Dharma Yoga Wheel with his business partner, Raquel Vamos. Together, they have developed and inspired the now popular Wheel Yoga. Dove, so awesome to have you on the show today. How's it going?
0: Um, it's going good. Um, just did some grounding on the beach, and um, I'm happy to, to join you today and share everything.
1: Well, I apologize for taking you out of nature and throwing you back into uh, into technology, but I appreciate you uh, coming on the show. That's awesome. I'm glad you were able to get out there on the beach. We always start yeah, with no the worries. same first first question, so I'm going to throw that out there for you. The first question is, what does the word dharma mean to you, and what is your dharma as you understand it today?
0: Okay. Okay. Um... Well, obviously, besides Dharma being my dad, <laughs> um, uh, Dharma for me is just—it's uh, kind of like your just that calling inside of you that brings you, like, wants you to go outside of this matrix that we're currently living in, and this search of the truth. You know, whether it's just like understanding who you are and kind of just understanding the nature of us as human beings um, in this experience of life that we're in. And, you know, upon learning it, and then you feel kind of compelled to share it to people who, you know, you feel are ready for that um, deeper truth, so to speak.
1: Yeah, that's a good point about sharing. And, and, that is not something that everyone brings up. Do you feel that sharing your own um, journey or your own understanding is a part of everyone's dharma?
0: Um in a sense, yes. Um, of course, you know, a lot of it's hard to to kind of open people up if they're not ready. So the way I see it is, you know, <clears throat> I wouldn't hold back and what I want to say. It's just a matter of whether it resonates with that person or not. And I can't really have any expectations on to, you know, where that, um, we're sharing it will lead, you know?
1: Hmm. Yeah. Well, you, you quickly mentioned that your dad's name is Dharma and I don't want to gloss over that. So what was it like to grow up, um, surrounded by yoga when you were, when you were like, <laughs> as early as you can remember, were you already introduced yoga or is it something that you came across when you were ready, when you were more uh, receptive to it?
0: Um, well, there was like different um, points in my life where it had different meanings, but um, basically in the beginning, um, like I remember going to um, Yogi Gupta, which is my dad's guru from India my parents would bring me to like his uh, discourse and kirtans when I was super young. And I just kind of remember sitting there with all these disciples, you know, being like five or six and just kind of, you know, not really knowing where you are, but you're like, okay, I'm here. And I don't really know what this guy's saying, but you know, he's decked out in these, you know, nice orange robes and had a really nice like cool, like calm voice that was very comforting but um other than that i was obviously like put into poses and kind of like dressed up like a little yogi kid and um (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i think like the big things that were kind of weird for me growing up was like because i was raised vegan and back when i was growing up like veganism even vegetarianism was very it was just not popular at all and you know kids were like oh you know what are you gonna eat what are you eating and just being in the lunchroom and i would actually couldn't eat pretty much any of the food and the teachers would come up and be like why aren't you eating and i was very shy and i just be like i can't eat any of this (laughs) but Mm -hmm. um and then i think around 2010 ish i like started working at the desk at my parents studio and then i really started to see like what like my dad was doing and really seeing like how these people would treat him with like all this respect and reverence and from that point I was like oh like this is something like legit like what's you know what's going on here and um, eventually I decided to do the 200 hour teacher training and at that point I kind of had this, I guess, like breakthrough where I could differentiate my dad as my dad and this like teacher. And I kind of saw him for, you know, who he was to these people. And they kind of mix that together with him just being, you know, my dad.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. Lots of interesting stuff to um, dig deeper on. So th- that's um, it's interesting. You were working at the yoga studio before you had a i'll say explicit practice because of course you know you were surrounded by the yoga you were participating in kirtans at age five you were (laughs) um you're eating a vegan diet but you didn't have a practice per se right yeah not at all right yeah so was it difficult for you to at first to step into that um that role of humility to take the teacher training and be amongst a group of other people who looked at your father with this sort of reverence. Whereas you saw him as, you know, this is my dad. How, how was that experience
0: for you? Um, the I did a training that was, it was in Israel. So it was a little bit different because I didn't really know those people. So it was a little bit easier to kind of just jump in as like more of just another random student. But even so, like, there's a lot of, you know, whether it was just me in my head, a lot of like pressure being, you know, this guy's son, and I have to, I'm supposed to be flexible and all these things. And in the beginning, I'm not going to lie, it was a really hard thing to go through. And, you know, having all this extra attention and energy on you and, for me, my personality, I don't really like to be in the spotlight or, you know, want to be the center of attention and I don't want any special treatment. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it was, it was definitely a challenge and, you know, it definitely made me stronger, but it was definitely, was not easy I would say.
1: (laughs) I see. So this was not the, the life of a Yogi training. It was you made the choice to go somewhere else.
0: Well, it was, it was, it was just, uh, like, a uh, and a different destination. It was just like the same thing, but hosted gotcha. in Israel. Yeah. Gotcha.
1: When you were working at the, the desk of the studio and you saw these students, disciples looking at your father in a certain way, did you see that and think, you know, I, I want, I want that or was it what was it about that that changed your perception around yoga and the the gravity of it
0: um i didn't want it for like myself but i wanted to kind of experience like what they were you know to kind of understand you know why are they you know looking to my dad for all this information and why is he Mm. at the position he is so that kind of created a curiosity where i wanted to go see like what you know what's really going on here
1: right i got you so it's more curiosity around being a student than being the teacher
0: yeah i mean going in there i had really had no intention of teaching i just it was like for that training it was my mom was like you know if you want to go to israel you kind of have to do the training you know it was like a little bit of like an Mm -hmm. ultimatum so and i was just like all right sure you know i'm going to a different country whatever and then you know obviously just being in that in that training with you know that energy that it kind of just pulled me deep into it where after it i was like you know what like maybe I'm supposed to do this. Maybe, you know, there's something more to it. And I was much more open to it.
1: Yeah. Right. So talk to me a little bit about what it was like to grow up vegan. I mean, was it something that you just, it was it so normalized that you didn't even consider the alternative or were you, was the compassion toward living beings something that was important to you at that time?
0: Yeah, I mean, as there was a lot of the compassion um, involved. Like my dad would always, you know, have pets around and always talk about, you know, you know, don't hurt the animals, make them feel comfortable, make them feel safe, give them love. So I was always, you know, I grew up with like a bunch of dogs, a bunch of cats, and rabbits, hamsters, etc. So I always had this love for animals, and you know, I would never you know, think about hurting or eating them. And um, the only times that would really become a question is more so like when my friends were like, oh, you know, we're going to McDonald's or whatever. And I'm just like, "Uh, I can't, you know, what am I going to eat? French fries or something? And they would like ask me like, oh, don't you want to eat this? And I would just be like, no, you know, I don't have a desire for it, you know?
1: Yeah. It's interesting because, many children grow up and they are so disconnected from myself included you know i i'm vegan now but that's a fairly recent development less than one year but growing up you, you don't even think about the fact that what is on your plate was once a living animal and if more people were conscious of that i think it would be much more common and and that's happening now it is much more common to to choose to not eat animal products
0: yeah definitely you know we're very like desensitized sort to it because we know we just see it in like a burger patty you know in between buns and advertised to be you know juicy and tasty and all that that you don't really even you know correlate that to like oh that's a living cow that you know had to be killed and this and that so mm-hmm. yeah yeah
1: So you're obviously still practicing veganism as part of your, um, part of your yoga practice. I would consider it to be at least, but what else does, uh, your yoga practice include? Talk me through what you do, um, to, to practice yoga on a daily basis.
0: Um, so for the physical part, the asana, I usually do that, you know, during my dad's class, um, to just take his master class or whatever class it is. Um, Other than that, in the morning, I usually like to wake up and um, I like to do psychic development, which is a special kind of like psychic training pranayama formula that was passed down from my dad's guru that basically, you know, creates some mental clarity and also allows you to kind of just... I guess like be more in touch with kind of the flow of the universe, you know, where you kind of set these intentions and kind of will things to come into fruition, so to speak. And that practice is like one of my favorite things and ever since I started doing it, it just it you really can kind of notice the change in yourself and then of course in you know everything that happens throughout your life. So that's like one of the main things I like to do. And I always try to do that. You know, if if it's just going to be that, then I'm happy with that. Um, if I can, I like to just do, you know, a little bit of pranayama and just like to sit and meditate, even if it's just for 10 minutes, you know,
1: I would love to learn more about that psychic development. I'm, if if that becomes available again soon, I'm going to have to stop in because I've heard about that from several of the people who've gone through the Life of a Yogi training through the 800 hour. And yeah, that's that's
0: cool stuff. Oh, yeah. It's like, I don't know, it's like secret, like, you know, like very, I don't know how to explain it, but it's super powerful. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think that keeping the secrecy around certain practices preserves their power or, um, or is it just like, is that important? Is the, the secretness an important part of keeping it sacred?
0: Um, I think I, th- for me, I would say it's more of just like, it's one of those things where let's say you want to teach it, you really have to be you have to be grounded, and you have to have, you know, a certain level of practice, because you know, you don't want to open up certain psychic channels, you know, in a bad space, or it's just something that you don't want to just do, you want to be prepared, you want to know what you're doing, you want to create a safe space to do it, and um, and then there's also, like, how you I was saying how you kind of will things into your life you don't want to use that for anything like that's not I don't want to use the word words good or bad but you know you don't want to use it to like oh I'm going to do this practice so I can like get the winning lottery ticket and make lots of money you know which Mm -hmm. you know could could happen because you don't necessarily know who's going to take it and what their intentions are so I think by it being more secretive and more of like something you have to work towards that it at that point, if you're really going towards it, you shouldn't have those intentions, I guess.
1: I see, yeah, that makes sense. So it's partially a protection uh, mechanism to keep people from um, using it incorrectly and else it's also a safeguard for everyone else so that you're not like basically like casting black magic spells. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good way to put it
1: <laughs> well let's talk um let's talk a little bit about the Dharma yoga wheel how did that come to come to come to be where where did the idea come from and why did you make the choice to actually put your energy and effort into bringing it to life
0: okay um so yeah it's an interesting story um it was like about... I would say like 20, maybe 20 plus years ago, my dad was walking around in Chinatown and there was like this plastic store of some sort. And they were basically like throwing pieces of scrap plastic out. And it was this basically like a plexiglass like cylinder that was cut almost the same dimensions as the, the current wheel, but a little bit different. And I guess Dharma like, Took it and he kind of just had it. And I'm not sure because I wasn't really involved at that time what he was doing with it, but it was basically when I was around just sitting in the closet in the yoga studio. And um, one day I was just in class. I came a little bit early to warm up and I like opened the closet and you know, there's like blocks there, etc. And then I see this like clear wheel thing and I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> i kind of like break it out and i just start rolling like my back on it and i'm just like oh shit like this thing feels great like and then (laughs) and then from there i just like every day i would come early and start kind of rolling around on it and by by just kind of just like playing and using my intuition i started like figuring out these poses and at that time, like, other students who were coming into class would kind of, like, look at me and be like, oh, what is that? And I'd be like, some kind of wheel. And then they would just kind of be like, oh, can I use it? And that is, like, after, like, a couple weeks, there would be, like, a queue of, like, people waiting to get the wheel. So I'd be like, shit, I got to come here even earlier so I can get my chance to use it. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and then from there... Like, I really had no intentions of starting a business or any of that. I was just, like, after it kind of, like I said, got a lot of people wanted to use it, I was like, all right. And my business partner, Raquel, we were like, all right, we need to, you know, get one of these and just, like, make one so we can have one at home to use and practice with. So we... Um, so-
1: Wait, so how did, how did Raquel come into the picture? Did she see everything that was happening and be like, we got to make a business, like we have to make more of these?
0: Um, well, at the time we were dating, and so we okay. would come to class together. And, you know, she was there when we first started, you know, playing around with it together. And we were just kind of both like, you know, this thing feels great. We don't, don't really know what it is, but we want, want one of those to have at home. So we didn't have any intentions of like starting a business. It was just like, I just want this thing so I could use it <laughs> selfishly, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and everybody else is taking it. So we need more of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, <clears throat> so she had a student at that time who was a, he was like a, an artist who made things out of wood. And we, and she was like, oh, you know, we can ask this guy, maybe he can make us something. Because, oh, actually, we actually found the the plastic store in Chinatown. And we went there. We're like, oh, you know, this is even better. We're just going to go see if we can get the same thing. And we went there and, like, we actually found something. It was like a cylinder, but it was super thin. It was like, I don't know, maybe like an eighth of a centimeter thick. And at the time, we were just, like, so happy to actually, like, have this thing in our hands that we, we paid $200 for this, like, little piece of plastic. And, mm-hmm. like, walking down the block, I'm already thinking in my head, I'm like, there's no way this can support any weight. Like, it's literally just going to crack the second we lay on it. But we were like, we're not going to, you know, try to return, return it or anything. So we, <clears throat> we decided to go with this guy who made um, wooden art. And he was like, oh yeah, I can definitely do that. So we kind of switched up the dimensions a little bit because the wheel was a little bit too wide. So when we rolled on it, it would kind of go over our shoulder blades. So we wanted it to kind of fit more in between, which we just thought was you know, a little bit better. So we gave him the dimensions and then he made us this like, it looked like a piece of art and we used to sell them, but this really cool wooden wheel and it had like these, this lip on it where you can kind of wrap your fingers around and grip onto it. And we had that and we're like, all right, this is really awesome. And we, like, I brought it to the studio and a bunch of people were like, oh my God, what is that? You know, can I have one? And then we're just like, I guess. <laughs> so we're like, all right, we'll go back to the guy who made it and we'll be like, hey, can you just like make us 10? And then we like got 10 made and then. We like few of our buddies at the center who wanted them. We just like, all right, you know, here we didn't, you know, really make any money. We just charged them whatever the guy charged us. And then what really kind of changed it into a business is we posted a picture on Instagram, and then like it kind of just like blew up. Where it's like, you know, what is that? I want one. Blah blah blah. And then you're we like, all right, I guess like we have to do this now.
1: <laughs> hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at that point, what's going through your head? Are you thinking like, oh, I don't want to do this. Or are you thinking like, cool, I mean, there's an opportunity here. Or this is like my obligation. I have a, like a duty to serve all these people who are interested. Like what what took you to the next step?
0: It um, was a mixture of things. Um, I guess the first one is being like I just – I'm, like, a very, like, giving person, so, like, I just felt, like, obligated, like, you know, these people want this thing, like, if I already have a means to do it, I might as well, you know, help them get what they want, and one side of me was just, like, just kind of, like, just go with it, where I was just, like, I'm just going to go with the flow of, you know, the universe, and if it wants me to, like, make these wheels and, like, whatever, that's what I'm going to do. And you know me, we, me and my partner, we don't have like any business, um, experience. Like I didn't, you know, I <clears throat> went to high school. That's about it. She went to college, but you know, nothing for business. So we just like kind of just like rolled with it. No pun intended.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, so you started with the wooden one, obviously once you scaled it out and wanted to serve all these people who were liking the photo on Instagram, you needed to go to another level of production. So what did you do?
0: Um, yeah. So the wood ones, they were like, it was just like a lot of effort to make them. Like I said, they were like almost like pieces of art. And um, we, you know, it cost us like almost like $80 for the, you know, the guy charged us to make one. So we had to charge like you know 100 125 dollars so we could you know sustain and then you know some people were like oh you know it's too slippery or the wood it hurts my back and this and that so we're like okay like there has to be another way that we can do this and make it a little bit more practical so we were like oh you know we can put a yoga mat on top and then we were like we uh We knew that they had those like PVC pipes or whatever. So we're like, no, maybe we can try that. So we like went back to the guy and we're like, you know, maybe you can get this pipe, you know, cut them down, you know, buffer them and make them smooth. And then we can throw this yoga mat on top. And then that'll kind of make, kind of please everyone and make it a little bit easier and definitely more affordable. So that was kind of like the next step, which kind of just made everything easier and you know of course it was also a headache in itself yeah not trying to figure out
1: that was back with the that was the original guy in chinatown again
0: no this is back the art guy because he he just yeah he already had kind of like a workspace or just like you know we obviously want to work with you you helped us do this so we kind of like wanted to be loyal to him and you know of course Mm -hmm. help help each other you know
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, eventually, so it sounds like you started to be able to produce these more at scale and serve all these people who are interested and it kind of took on a life of its own. And now you're teaching all sorts of different yoga wheel classes and it's kind of become its own kind of style or class of yoga unto itself. How did, how did that come about? And do you feel that, um, like, what is your feeling on it growing outside of you and Raquel and, and touching all these other people in ways that you no longer uh, control?
0: Yeah. So um, throughout the process of all this, we you know, I was always playing on it. So after I don't know how much time, but we kind of figured out you know, maybe like 20, 30 poses that we can do on it. And then I kind of put together a little like, kind of like makeshift poster, kind of like an omen to my dad's like big 908 chart. And I started to make like a little sequence. And I was like, all right, I'm going to try to teach this. And of course, I'm like, super scared because I don't know what I'm doing and it's you know I'm not just using my body now I have to like control this like little wheel and make everything flow and do all this stuff but I convinced my mom I was like you know let me give me a slot and I'll try to like teach this class and see what happens and at the beginning it was like at least from my perspective it was like terrible but I'm sure it wasn't as bad but you know I was just kind of just trying to see what happens. And then after, you know, after a few months, I was like, okay, and then I started to see what worked, and started to create this little sequence and kind of an idea of what should be in the class. And of course, we wanted to kind of um, keep it with, you know, the Dharma lineage. So we wanted to, of course, have like, you know, the oming in the beginning of the class. We wanted to have all those main poses where it was like spinal twists, headstand, shoulder stand. So we wanted to create those elements and shavasana and everything. So it would mimic and, you know, give praise to dharma where, you know, I started and learned everything. And I wanted to make it as close as I could to that. And as for the second part of the question, so... In the beginning, I'm not going to lie, it was pretty, mm. I guess, disappointing because a lot of, the, a lot of these companies, that <clears throat> in the beginning, they would just like copied almost like exactly what we we're doing. Like, it was like the same exact wheel with the same exact, almost like the same exact logo, except they would change like the D to like an L or something, and they be like, oh, we created this wheel, and this and that, get it from us, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> so it was a little bit um, hurtful in the beginning, you know, just to see that, especially it's like, oh, you know, I put so much time and effort into creating this, and kind of we, like, created the market, and this all this demand for it, and then all of a sudden everyone was kind of taking credit for what we did, and we kind of went through, like, a little... <clears throat> sad stage and you know through that process we're you know realizing you know it's not <clears throat> to practice non-attachment you know it's like we didn't really create this it's the universe that brought this to us to kind of just facilitate it and you know we just came to terms with it where it's like even if let's say we're not selling all them and doing this we at least created this tool that whether it's coming from us or not, it's helping to help these people open up their hearts and their backs and just helping them to feel good, you know.
1: Yeah, that's a good attitude to have, but I'm sure that was, I'm sure that was a challenge. Um, even if you have all of that psychic development work to, you know, prepare yourself to go with the flow of the universe. Yeah, you know, you <laughs> put in, you put in effort, you put in energy, you Kind of like you struggled you know you struggled to create this thing that people really appreciated um, but i still you know you see the dharma yoga wheel everywhere i think people still recognize at least at this point maybe because it's had staying power that it is you know the original the the gold standard are there still um any of those original wooden ones kicking around like collector's edition?
0: oh yeah i mean i have in my apartment i have like kind of like all the not all but like most of the models where it's like from the wood one to like the original plexiglass one to like more of the newer ones now but the wood one is still like my favorite and i wish we can bring them back and you know maybe we will like maybe like a small batch but we would have to talk about it but I think it would be like a cool thing to kind of um yeah, let totally. people experience it.
1: Did the wooden ones also have the the matte surface?
0: No, it was just uh pretty much straight wood.
1: Straight up wood.
0: Yeah. Natural. <laughs>
1: yeah. Maybe it was the emergence of the the competitors. But um, maybe it was something else. Tell me what was your biggest lesson from the whole saga of of the Dharma yoga wheel and um what what was the main takeaway?
0: Um, I guess I had a lot of expectations at that time for the yoga community, I guess, like I kind of had this idea that since we're all on this path, we're all kind of understanding and having the same kind of moral compass and stuff like that. And then kind of through that process, seeing where these other yogis or, you know, whatever you want to call it, were just like stealing and kind of just profiting off of our idea and stuff like that. Then it kind of just made us like re- Evaluate what was going on and just realizing that it's not so much them; it was just our perception on like what we expected this community to be. And and there was a certain point when all that stuff was going on, I almost like took a step back from yoga entirely because I almost blamed a few people's actions for like the collective whole of this practice. And I actually, you know, think it was good that I went through that because now I like really. Can appreciate everything and just understand that you know like dharma says like expectations are one of the main causes of pain and suffering you know
1: mm. yeah what do you mean by um by feeling that like this this uh i'm trying to resist using words like bad <clears throat> and good too but this this problem that you perceived in the yoga community at large around not you know really living the yoga in action through their ethical choices what do you mean by you
0: wanted to point that at one or two people oh no i mean i meant like i ended up <clears throat> they kind of those few exceptions kind of tainted my I idea see. of the of the whole if that makes sense mm-hmm.
1: yeah totally yeah it's it's easy to see your perspective of of what's happening right in front of you and then try to like paint a wide brushstroke across everything because of something very immediate but um but you're right you know having an experience like that does give you new perspective and it if it causes you to reflect and um and contemplate then it's a useful tool really
0: yeah. A hundred percent. Like I wouldn't change anything, you know, everything kind of happened, happened exactly as it should, you know?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I see you leaning into, to the wheel, teaching the the wheel workshops. I love taking your wheel class and, and your, you know, your regular Dharma yoga class too, but it's cool to see you, you know, mastering this thing that, that you brought into the world and, and sharing it with so much, um, so much enthusiasm and, and love for it.
0: Yeah, I have to say I'm really grateful for it because it's it's hard for me because you know being my dad's son, sometimes you're you're expected like oh you're gonna you know continue doing like taking over what my dad started you know and it's it's nice to have something that I can kind of say is my own that I created and kind of can really it just really comes from me if you, if that makes sense, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What's one thing that you've got um, on the horizon or something that you're working on now that you're especially excited about that you'd like to share?
0: Um, we're working on a, a collapsible wheel. So basically like more of a travel friendly wheel that, you know, you can kind of, take apart and put together which would be super cool you know because sometimes you want to like take your wheel somewhere and it's this kind of big you know bulky thing and i think it would be nice to kind of offer it and allow people to kind of travel with it and just make it more accessible you know
1: that's a great idea and my my two cents get a patent on it (laughs) (laughs)
0: man we tried like patents you they're not as black and white as you seem as it seems like if you let's say like if you make like a pen let's say you patent a pen if someone like literally like puts a little like dot or like a you know an indentation in it it won't count as like this as a violation so like even the most totally new design Yeah, you
1: you didn't see that we we put the bump on the bottom
0: (laughs) yeah exactly so and then there's the whole thing with like international and like what really hurt us was like china when china copied our product because you know there's different they can do it for like two dollars yeah exactly so yeah i mean for that we're just gonna we kind of already know what's gonna happen like we're going to get copied but you know it is what it is you can't really as long as we're bringing it into the world and you know trying to do what we want to do that's all right we can do
1: yeah exactly i mean it's like you, you've taken that that truism from your dad about expectations and kind of flipped it around it's like you you know you can expect now the like the negative consequences if you want to call them that and if you're prepared for that and you still make the choice to move forward then Nothing can hurt you, you know?
0: Totally, yeah.
1: So apart from getting your message out on the podcast, what are you doing today to live your dharma?
0: Today? Today. Oh, okay. Today I just needed to kind of recharge my own batteries to kind of allow me to help share, you know, so for me, that was like <clears throat> grounding. So I I grew up in New York City and pretty much spent most of my life there. And, you know, I'm living on the 10th floor, so disconnected from the ground, disconnected from nature. So I just really wanted to use this, <clears throat> this weekend to kind of get out into nature, reconnect, you know, be away from all the wi-fi radiation all the electricity the people the just all the chaos and kind of recharge myself so that you know when i come back in next week and i have to teach i can teach from a, a full gas tank
1: <laughs> right on yeah well that sounds like a great way to spend memorial day weekend i'll be at your class on tuesday at, at noon so I'll, I'll see you there after you're totally recharged now cool, is the perfect time to uh, we'll segue into the final section of this interview. Uh, I can't let you go without hitting the prana round. Okay, so in the prana round, <laughs> I'm going to ask you six rapid-fire questions and ask you to answer in minimum one word, maximum one sentence. Okay?
0: All right, let's do this.
1: In one word, why do you practice yoga? Freedom. What's your favorite yoga pose, and why?:
0: Vasistasana um, just makes you feel really solid and grounded.
1: You do. <laughs> I don't yeah, know if that's right. true for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. What is the, what's the single best cue or piece of advice that you've ever received from a teacher?
0: Um maybe just I really only have one teacher which is my dad <laughs> and there's so many quotes um just to bring your attention back to your back to your um third eye I guess
1: yeah that's always a good one recommend one book either modern or ancient for our listeners
0: um this book by yogi gupta uh swami kalashananda yoga and yogic powers
1: yoga and yogic powers by yogi gupta okay is yoga for everyone
0: definitely
1: All right, last question. How can our audience get in touch with you and how can we support you in your dharma?
0: Um, You guys can uh, reach me on Instagram or Facebook. Um, Just search for Yogi Varuna. I'm always happy to help ask questions. There you can also find my teaching schedule. And yeah i'd love to connect with anyone and everyone
1: awesome Dove. thank you so much for taking a break from your nature grounding for memorial day weekend it was a blast talking to you and i look forward to seeing you on tuesday and continue the conversation then
0: cool man thank you so much for having me
1: hey dharma talk community if you enjoyed this podcast and you haven't done so already please hit the subscribe button right now And if you'd like to show your support even more, leave me an honest review on iTunes or whatever podcast directory you listen on. You can also make a financial contribution to keep the show up and running, a donation at henrywins.com. And remember, I'm here to serve you. So if you have any questions or comments or ideas, you can always reach me on Instagram at henrywins. Otherwise, I'll speak to you next week. Keep living your dharma.